Hi everybody, it's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au and I'm really excited today to be talking with a friend of mine and a colleague from Canada, Christina Marlett. So welcome to the call, Christina. Thank you, Joey. I'm really excited to be here connecting our continents. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, the world is getting so much smaller and accessible, which is really exciting. Um, and we have listeners from all over the world. So today we have the topic of courageous self-care. And Christina is going to share a little bit about herself and her journey and how she got into being an activator and an activist, maybe we could say, for courageous self-care. And I mean, this is really near and dear to me because I know learning to understand this organism that is me and how to support and nurture the many different layers and facets of myself and my life and my mind and my body and my spirit has been an exciting and frustrating and complex process and project. And so I fully understand that it takes courage and bravery. And sometimes it's like you've got to kind of fall off and make heaps of mistakes and bash your head against the wall until you realize, oh, that's not working. <laughs> try something else. Try something else. Try something else. And so I fully appreciate how important this process is and how rewarding. And that's why I invited you to be on this podcast. So I want to welcome you. And I would love it if you could share with us, you know, who you are, what matters to you and what brings you to the world to explore this topic so deeply. Oh, I'm, I just love talking about what I love talking about, so I'm very happy to be doing this. So I think the relevant part of my journey starts uh, several years ago when I started my first business, which was called Dance Ugly, Dance Awkward. Mm -hmm. And people would say, oh, can I come to your studio and learn how to dance in an ugly way? And I would say, no, <laughs> that is not what it is. It's not learning to dance like Elaine on Seinfeld. No, it's about I like... I love Elaine on Seinfeld. I, know. <laughs> I was just on a stage dancing like her just the other day <laughs> at an event I was emceeing. Anyways, so what I was attempting to do was to help people connect with their bodies in a way that is... Um, well, I just feel that movement and dance are so important. I grew up dancing. Mm -hmm. And even though I did that, I had this huge dichotomy between dance as an art form, because I trained in a very specific kind of dance, which was tap dancing. And so I was always the ugly duckling. Like I wasn't graceful like the kids who also took ballet and jazz. And so um, I, and I didn't go to the, as many lessons as they did. So I did feel ugly and awkward. And when I started bringing up this idea to people, they would say, oh, I can do that kind of dance. And I would say, yes, exactly, everyone can do it. And so I feel like dance is an essential human experience, not just an art form. And it's uh, all over the world in indigenous cultures and First Nations, dance is used to connect with spirit and community and each other and your body. So that was super important to me and it still is, but then I had a very, clear sign from the universe that that era was done as I was launching my book, which mm -hmm. is called How Ugly Awkward Dancing Changes Everything. So I got notice from people trying to go to my website that it was an attack site. And uh, I looked into it. It turns out someone had hacked my site. I guess they didn't like ugly, awkward dancing. <laughs> and uh, it had so much malware inserted into it that Google blacklisted it forever. And I said, okay, that's a clear sign. This oh my is... goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
my parents said, who would do such a thing? And I said, well, it's just a sign. And so it's time for a shift. <laughs> Although the week was very stressful when I was trying to launch my book at the same time. And I had had two business coaches say to me, what you're doing, I don't know if ugly, awkward dancing is the whole thing. Like it seems like a process, not the entire thing. And so I took a really good look at what I was doing with clients and I realized, oh, it's actually so much more about self-care because I'm not dancing all day, every day. I have a huge suitcase full of different tools and um, practices that I incorporate into my day that I define as self-care. And so I went down that path and it's been amazing. I just, I've realized that self-care is so important in people's lives and it's missing in so many people's lives because, and here's where the courage comes in, it does take courage. So the kind of self-care that I like to teach about and practice myself and partake in in community is self-care that goes beyond bubble baths, chocolate, and wine. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with those things, but they're temporary fixes and they're external self-care. And external self-care is certainly important, but if that's the only thing we're counting on, then it doesn't, it's not the whole picture. So I'm really interested in internal self-care, which is things like growing your gratitude practice, finding forgiveness, mm. learning how to find harmony between masculine and feminine energy, shifting your relationship with time. There's 12 different foundations that have revealed themselves to me, and so those are some of them. And I also am really grateful to practice or have this business of courageous self-care because it makes me be much more cognizant of it. I benefit every time that I think, oh, should I take some time to myself? Yes, I should, because that's setting a good example for my clients. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. And this, I mean, this goes hand in hand. This work goes hand in hand with neuroplasticity because for my clients yes. who are learning to understand, all right, I feel this way and I don't like this. So I'm here, but I would like to be here. So I want to go from A to B and how do I get there? And because mm -hmm. it's about changing what we feel, it's not something you can go out and buy at Kmart or Walmart or, you know, you can't, nobody else can give it to you or hand it to you on a platter or an artist can't paint it for you, right? It's not an external thing. It's an internal process. And it's something that is very, very different for each person. And they essentially have to go through feeling whatever it is they actually feel, find skills, tools, and strategies to love themselves and care for themselves and support themselves through being able to transition that into feeling what they actually desire. And so accessing joy becomes like ammunition because you know if we're always in our pain and always running away and avoidant or being that ugly dancer who's like no I can't do this and I'm not going to get on the dance floor and I'm terrible well then we're never learning how to move and how to be free and how to be seen and how to celebrate ourselves and show up as we are so it takes this amazing sense of courage to change from in your example that person who's on the side of the dance floor petrified to join in and just watching from the side saying I can't do this to actually allowing us up to change into the person who says you know what I'm going to take all of my awkwardness and all of my pain and all of my doubt and all of my fear and I'm going to just jive and groove and not worry about what other people think because yes. internally I want to dance and that's that internal drive and internal reward and that's when the neurons start changing. So it's really intrinsically motivated and guided. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I call it in my book, I wrote about the dance playground. Mm -hmm. So I feel like dance is such a great safe way to experiment with growing our confidence with decreasing how much we care about what other people think of us with uh, experimenting with authenticity and vulnerability because who you show up as when you're moving your body it gives people so many, so much information about who you actually are. Like if you choose to stand there and not participate in dance, that's a clear signal that you are sending out to people. Also the same thing if you are totally liberated and free and just tuned into what your body is wanting to do, that gives people so much information about you. So it does take a lot of courage. It's revealing for sure. Actually, yes. you know, I don't know if I told you this, but my mom's a dance therapist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she uses dance and movement with people who have Alzheimer's and dementia mm. as a way of getting their, their brain to fire in different ways and getting the body to move. Um, so again, she works in neuroplasticity uh, and it's incredibly powerful because the patterning we hold in our body, that, that uh, kind of muscle brain conversation, a lot of that is automated and can be subconscious and using yes. dance can bring it into the conscious and for for my clients who have dizziness and vertigo they're actually learning how to sit again and stand again and walk again and bend over and take a staircase so for them dancing can kind of be a future goal that they're working towards once they've got the physical capacity and confidence but right. i've had a number of clients say that entering dance has been an amazingly rewarding and healing experience for them yes you know, and it doesn't have the thing about ugly, awkward dancing. It doesn't refer to that the movement is ever ugly or awkward. I've only ever seen beauty when I see people move, however they're moving. It refers to how we talk to ourselves on the inside. Like even yeah. I, I competed for 15 years. I had lots of professional training as a dancer. And yet when I stepped onto a dance floor where there was no choreography and I didn't have someone else's movement to follow, the thoughts on the inside were ugly and awkward and I had to overcome those to start fully expressing who I was and am. Exactly. And that just keeps on coming back to that same old story of, you know, in society and especially in commerce and in economics, it's like the greatest form of marketing is by saying you're inadequate and you're not good enough and you need my product. So buy my product so you feel better. And time and time again, that's how we're trained, whether it's on musical instruments and so we're doing exactly what the external tells us to do so that we get a big gold star and a tick and we don't make any mistakes or whether it's dancing or whether it's at school doing mathematics. And so we're so constantly taught that the external world has our solutions and has our rewards and we need that promotion or we need that job. And that this process of, of neuroplasticity and courageous self-care is about saying, actually, it's not about what other people want or think. They're, not, they're no longer setting my standards or my you know, the bar isn't where they set it. It's about what I want. And my satisfaction and my joy and my goals are things that I create. And so yes. suddenly it's like, I don't need to buy anything or invest out externally. It's about internally investing and saying, I'm going to listen to this. This is my teacher. This is my guidance. And the people around me can support me and I can choose how I, how I interact with them, but they don't dictate the rules or this idea of success or health or joy. That's right. My, yes, it's like flipping it. 
Yeah. And that what I've noticed in working with so many different clients is self-care is a very personal thing. Like I I had a client once who was not really looking forward to doing her initial session with me because like she said at the end, I thought you were going to tell me that because I love working and I love writing speeches and I spend so much time perfecting them and I love writing books. I thought you were going to tell me that I work too hard and I should go take more baths, which I really don't like. But you showed me that my joy comes from being productive, doing this work that matters to me. Yeah. And then another lady I interviewed, she said her favorite form of self-care in the morning was playing video games in bed with her husband because they both would get into this hilarious mode and they would start off their day just loving each other and competing each other. Like it's so personal. It's so personal. And often it's free. Like often for some people it can be just walking barefoot on the grass and getting that sensation or for other people, it's just sit, uh, having a cup of tea on the front deck or the veranda and letting the sun just kiss the face and just slowing down. And it's, and I think also self-care can be gently exploring boundaries. So it's not always gentle, gentle, retreaty, treaty. Sometimes it, it's, you know, for me, it's going surfing and sometimes it's going surfing into bigger waves and feeling like a bit of terror there, (laughs) a bit of anxiety. And it's like, you're actually getting smashed by the ocean. It's, you know, you're, you're like in a washing machine. And funnily enough, that activity can actually make me feel like a better person and have a better day and give me more energy and, and make me feel kind of exhilarated. And so, yeah, I just think there's so many different ways to look at um, and you know, for some people out there who probably go ooh at the thought of self care, like this sounds like another thing on the to do list. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I use language like, "How can you nourish yourself, support yourself?" Like, if you look at your life as a as a as a two, you know, binary, you're either collecting nutrients for yourself or you're collecting toxins. Learn to identify what are the toxins, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that are not helping you. And what are the nutrients in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that are actually enhancing your overall capacity to live and love life? Exactly. Something that's super important, I think, is, first of all, a question I ask myself often, frequently throughout the day, is what is the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? Yeah. That question is a game changer. It is so powerful, and it helps remind us that, Actually, self-care isn't a list of things to do. It it can start off like that as we're learning. We need to build up that muscle. We need to release some of the negative or unpleasant emotions that go along with giving time to ourselves. But eventually, I feel like self-care becomes a way of being. And so it's not something you have to work at. The courage, definitely, and what you were saying before, thats I think that's one of my ultimate goals that drives me to want to teach people about this and to practice it myself is I envision a world where everyone feels fully alive. And that doesn't come from a life of ease and uh, sitting back and letting things happen. It comes from putting yourself out there, doing what is scary, expanding that comfort zone. Because on the other side of that fear, there is always, like you said, exhilaration and energy and joy. And, uh, and that accomplishment I, of like, I did it. 
I didn't exactly. stay at home on the couch. I went out there and I put my wetsuit on and I paddled into those big waves. And it's like, you feel, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I even run a, a speakers club here in Calgary. And for some people, the fear, like for a lot of people, the fear of getting up and saying something in front of others is worse than the fear of death. So I see people overcoming yeah. that fear and Oh, the radiant expressions after they've done it. It's so worthwhile. And it's great to surround yourself with people who are doing things like that rather than people who are okay with the status quo and sitting on the couch and taking in all those toxins. Yeah. So there's a few things I want to say here. First of all, courage and bravery come when you're experiencing fear. So I just want to bring it right back down to the basics that, you know, if it's easy, you don't need courage. And, you know, if you're in that, that place of joy and yes, and it's just flow, you may not need courage there either. So courage and bravery come when your inner world is going, no, no, I can't. I don't want to. It's too hard. It's too scary. That's when you have to step into the fear and say, you know what? I've got this. Like, I'm going to take my fear and my vulnerability and I'm going to be courageous and give it a go. Because even if I fail, I've got that too. Like, I can support myself through failure. So this fear, it's like not a problem. So we've used some examples of like public speaking and surfing with big waves, which I would put out there as kind of like really um, overt challenges, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's getting out of bed. It's like, you want to stay in bed all day and every voice in your head is like, don't move your head. Don't get out. Don't get up. It's going to be a bad day. Everybody hates you. And it's like just getting out of bed takes a huge amount of bravery and courage. And like, that's awesome. Celebrate that. Or for other people, it's going to the supermarket. You've got social anxiety. You don't want to look anybody in the eyes and it's just terrifying. The fact that you get out of the house and walk down the street, maybe not even buy anything, but just enter the supermarket, celebrate that. You've used courage and bravery to get through those voices and walk out of the house and just be in your fear. So it's courage and bravery doesn't mean you're necessarily taking over the world. (laughs) But it means you're, you're having those scary thoughts and those difficult heart-pounding feelings and you're able to bring kindness, appreciation and support regardless of the outcome. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, acts of courage. Uh, when I do my, I have my own podcast and the acts of courage that I'm interested in hearing from my guests aren't scaling mountains and doing these crazy things. It's the small decision that takes so much courage to ignore or overcome that voice in your head, that inner critic, that trickster who is trying to convince you that everything is just fine how it is. Mm. Instead, uh, I love the etymology of words. So I have studied the word courage and it comes from the French word coeur, which means heart. And the idea I love about courage is, first of all, there is fear involved, like you said. And secondly, there is a value or something that is important to you on the other side of the fear. So it might be compassion, it might be love, it might be community. And so when you are able to identify what is on the other side, like this is what I anticipate, then you can be drawn through the fear rather than trying to force and push through it. There's more magnetism once you've been able to identify, well, this is what I think is actually going to happen on the other side. I, I will feel better about myself. I'll feel proud of myself. Mm. I'll maybe make a new friend. I'll mm. have more connections. So if we can identify that value that's on the other side, it does tone down the fear. 
hundred percent. And all of these things are skills that you build up slowly. So if you are listening and just thinking like, I can't do this, notice that voice and go, great. You know, you can come with me on this journey because even if you feel like you can't do it right now, it doesn't mean that you can't do it forever or even that that voice has any truth to it. Right. So you always got to like, just hold, hold the experience lightly and where possible practice being kind to yourself and being open to possibility rigid thinking really holds us back it's just it's huge implications to that that place of i can't or or i won't yes i'm curious just to wrap up our little chat would you like to share how do you feel the world will change like if you could fast forward the clock and you know courageous self-care has become something that is really important in kindergartens in schools you know, it's, it's in workplaces and there's this sense of celebrating diversity in how people do that. So there's no judgment. Right. How do you think the world would change if that became a societal way of life? Well, first of all, people would have so much energy and health would be pristine because we would have all of this positivity to put towards what we actually are here to do. We would be tuned into our purpose. Everyone would be working on what lights them up and fills them up. And this vision, this particular point of it, I say all the time, imagine if one person knows all of her gifts and talents and is willing to boldly share them with others. And then she meets another person who's like that. And that person knows all of her gifts and talents. So instead of having this inferiority complex and going, well, that person is so much better than me, both of them meet each other and say, Hey, these are my gifts and talents. Here's what I love to do. And the other person says the same thing. And then they say, what can we co-create that is beyond what any of us could do individually? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? be powerful and i think on the on the health context like because things happen in life you know we get stomach upsets or cancers and neural like things happen but i think when we're in a place of powerful self-care we're in prevention mode and so rather than denying or ignoring or letting things build up or having that catastrophe cycles and vicious self-doubt cycles when you're in this place of courageous self-care those hiccups might impact you for an hours or a day instead of a year And I think it's really important to keep into perspective that pristine health is not necessarily like you never get any problems. It's just that when it happens, you're able to say, maybe I need to have an early night or run that bath or, you know, maybe I need to eat more greens or talk to my naturopath. You know, you start to get these little early onset signs and actually respond with love and support, Um, which I think for me has been a game changer for my health. Oh, me too. I totally agree. And what I feel like our bodies are supporting us in is they're messengers. So when we have pain, it's our body saying, hey, there's a buildup of blocked energy here and I'm the messenger. So some changes need to be made and there's something deeper that's wanting to be healed. So I'm just giving you the heads up and now it's up to you to explore Mm -hmm. that and figure it out so that you can evolve into the next best version of yourself. Yeah, and I just have to do a shout out to the physical body. And this is not just mine, but to everybody's physical body. Like how patient is the body? It will just keep giving little signals like every day, every week, every month, every year. So I'm I'm still here. I'm ready when you are, you know, conversations open. Hey there. (laughs) 
And the physical body, like whether it's that arthritic ache and pain or asthma or allergy or vertigo or tinnitus, it's like the body will just keep quietly communicating. And I think it's, I mean, I feel like humans are so resilient and so robust and so adaptable that I'm constantly amazed at our capacity to heal. Even for people who may have had 20 or 30 years of chronic symptoms, just seeing that turnaround and that healing once the conversation's being had and the body and the mind and the heart and the soul are all starting to work as a team mm-hmm. instead of, you know, individual teams arguing at each other. Yes. I mean, it really does, can appear quite miraculous. So, so I think every person listening to this podcast, I hope you begin to understand how powerful you are and how powerful your mind is and how powerful your heart is and how powerful and amazing really the physical body is to heal itself and the truth is is that modern day medicine knows just such a tiny bit about what's going on there's so much unknown because it's hugely complex and all the layers of energy and invisible bits that we can't assess or quantify yet right so exciting so i want to just finish up by saying uh christina had a question which was what is the most loving thing i can do for myself right now i think that's a great take home project so if you're sitting at home just thinking like all right i need courage i need self-care start with that question what is the most loving thing i can do for myself right now and you know it gives you permission to be like you were saying kind and gentle to yourself so if you're feeling like, oh, I've got to force through this thing, I've got to overcome, that's really difficult energy. And generally, it's not all that loving towards ourselves. So yeah. like just this morning, I was looking at my list of things that I want to accomplish this week and get done. And uh, there was a part of me that was going, you know, I think my energy is a little on the lower side today. So I asked myself, what's the most loving thing I could do for myself right now? not keep working. I'm going to take a break. And then I was able to come back so much more invigorated rather than if I had pushed through and kind of zoned out and been hard on myself. Absolutely. I, I, I do that all the time as well. And it's important. I actually believe you can live a life based on ease. But yes. that's that sense of surrender and saying yes. So instead of pushing through the pain, you can actually ease into it and say, well, how can I find joy in my life right now like I've got this pain here like hello yes you're there but what else what can I do to make this easier for myself where can I surrender and you know there's always there's always a path of least resistance if we look for it and the second thing you said which I think is a, a little piece of wisdom that I want to kind of bring forward is you mentioned surround yourself with people who are brave or people who are courageous people who are able to be vulnerable and I think we are the net result of the people we spend time with. So if you're spending time with a lot of people who are problem focused and in that very negative kind of unhelpful mindset, rigid thinking and judgments, it's going to rub off on you. It's going to impact you. Surround yourself by people who are courageous, loving and kind, not only to you, of course, but to themselves. I mean, that is just a gift. And if you don't know anybody like that, go and find them. And, you know, starts here. But, yeah, I want to say thank you so much for making time to be on this call. Do you have any closing words or any invitations for people who might want to visit your website, christinamarlette.com, you know, if you want to mention how they can yeah. touch base with you? 
Sure. Yeah. So if you want to start dabbling a little bit in what courageous self-care is, I have a quiz on my website and it's the self-care style quiz. So you can go in and see how you're doing with your self-care. It might confirm what you already know. It might be revealing and Mm -hmm. embedded in each question are solutions or clues as to what courageous self-care can look like in different situations. So it will give you a deeper awareness of what I'm actually talking about. And uh, I feel like the greatest journey we go on in our lifetime is discovering who we truly are and sharing that person with others. So quizzes are a great way to start off by doing that kind of thing. Beautiful. That sounds fun. So visit christinamarlett.com and I will have a link. And I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. For those of you out there with vertigo and tinnitus in particular, go to my website and use all of the resources to help you seek support and above everything else to trust yourself. Listen to that wisdom inside of you because you're the one who has the answers for your healing. And I just really hope everybody listening gets to that place of really self-appreciation in the here and now. So I want to say thanks again, Christina. It's always a pleasure to reconnect and thanks for sharing those pearls of wisdom. Oh, thank you, Joey. You are doing such amazing work and I'm grateful to have joined you on today's episode. Yeah, awesome. Bye for now. Bye-bye.